Welcome to Wireless Future. I'm Eric Larsson and I'm here as always with my colleague Emil Björnsson. Uh, today we have a guest, uh, Bengt Lindoff. Um, Bengt uh, has his PhD in math and worked for many years at Ericsson Research where he also was named Inventor of the Year and more recently is heading the new startup company Beamwave that focuses on technical solutions for fully digital millimeter wave. And um, Emil, uh, we have been preaching, I think, fully digital beamforming for massive MIMO for something like 10 years now. Yeah. And for lower frequency bands, this is kind of the obvious um, solution. But it's also exciting to see that technological solutions now are emerging also for the millimeter wave band. So Bengt, would you like to tell us a little bit about your company and the architecture that you are developing? Yes, yeah, thank you, Eric. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, uh, I mean, I'm working as a chief system architect for, for Beamwave, uh, which is a startup company in Lund, uh, Sweden. And uh, it was founded for four four years ago uh, by the, the founders, uh, which was uh, Marcus Termina, uh, who is professor in, uh, in RF design in Lund. University and Per Olof Brandt. He is a senior radio RF designer, been working for various companies with RF design for more than 20 years. So they, they started with some research project, I guess it was a year before they started the, the, the company, 2014-15, about thinking about when people thought about this massive MIMO and, and beam forming, and we are coming up to millimeter wave, how should you do the radio design if you start from scratch so that you don't uh, think about all the legacy you have and see, okay, how should you do it in a good way that you can, can um, a scalable solution, basically, uh, where you, if you go to, to, to the millimeter wave, we know that the antennas, they go down to some few millimeters, meaning that you can basically integrate them in the, in the chip. And, and uh, then you can integrate the, the, the antennas and, and the front-end modules and the radio in the same chip or in the same encapsulation. And then in order to have a scalable solution, say that if you have uh, some few uh, transceivers for some devices, but other devices maybe needs tens or hundreds, can you do some kind of scaling with the same kind of components? And, and then they end up in that, basically the digital uh, beamforming is the solution to that uh, kind of, of uh, uh, system and, and looking at the, the, the state of the art in, in radio, it turns out that it's now. Now you have the possibility to do all this kind of thing. So, so they, they started this company after the research and made some patents and currently we are, are designing our first uh, radio ship uh, for millimeter wave focusing on 5G uh, the frequencies for 5G, which is today 28 and, and uh, 39. But of course, there will be more uh, frequency bands in the millimeter wave in the future. Uh, and uh, we are the, the company is focusing on, on the radio part. So we are not doing the baseband or, or the decoding or, or all that kind of stuff. So 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 we, we need to partner or sell our ship to, to baseband uh, together with some uh, baseband partners that, uh, to integrate it in mainly handheld handheld devices or other devices. That has been the main focus, so to say. And we are in the final uh, design stage uh, uh, of the first hour ship. So we, we hope to have these uh, test chips uh, this year to should say, show the proof of concept. Yeah, that's great. So um, 
look forward to hearing more here. I think so. Emil and I are going to take turns in asking questions and hopefully not giving you to a hard time. So, <laughs> Emil, would you like to uh, start off? <laughs> yeah, so it, it sounds very exciting. And uh, I think generally whenever people are mentioning digital solutions, it's always it's brought up. But what about the analog solution that we have, like face to race? Are these methods actually uh, comparable or com- so you can compete in a good way in terms of cost and power consumption, things like that. And I think we, we are going to discuss these things. But let's just start saying what are sort of the main differences at the hardware level between a analog and a digital beamforming implementation? Uh, yes, and if you have, I mean, the classical implementation is, is uh, what they call the, the analog beamforming, where you, uh, I mean, you, in, in the beamform you have a number of antennas and, and you, 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 you phase shift the, 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 the transmitter receiver streams to optimize the, the direction uh, of, of your beam. And in an analog solution, this phase shifting is done in the analog domain using analog phase shifters. And, and uh, so you, you 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 phase shift the receive uh, the receive signal say and then you sum the signal and then you put it to the radio and to the AD uh, converter and and go to the digital processing uh, and a digital solution that's basically that you have for each antenna a, a, a transceiver chain meaning that you don't need to have any phase shifter since you you move the phase shifting. Uh, to the digital domain, where you basically then just have a complex multiplication, uh, which is uh, a nice feature. It's much smaller than to do it in the digital domain compared to do it in analog phase shifters. But then you need uh, one transceiver chain per antenna, meaning that you need, need if you have n antenna, you need n uh, uh, AD and the converters, for instance. So, so that's the the main difference. And then you, you also have a much more freedom of, of to, to to play with the radio signal since you, you have received everything and then you can start to combine it. In in the analog uh, approach, you need to to combine it. You need to, to have a combination and then you combine it and you see, okay, this is what I get. So so uh, the digital is much more flexible as well. So if we simplify it very much, so in a nutshell, it's like in the analog case, you need one phase shifter per antenna, but you can share one converter uh, for the analog to digital and digital analog. And in digital case, you don't have any phase shifters, but instead you need one converter per antenna. Is that right? Correct, correct. correct. So how about the AD converters? I mean, my understanding has been that the AD converters are responsible for a big share of the power consumption in the receiver. So how will the AD conversion differ between for I mean an analog solution and a digital beamforming solution? Yeah, uh, that's correct that the AD converter is is a power consuming uh, component and that's the more bits you you use the the the, the higher is the power consumption. I mean, that does go like exponential with the number of bits. Uh, but there is a nice yeah, feature. So, yeah. I mean, do we, need a, yeah, do we need the same number of bits for the analog solution as for the digital solution? Yeah, that, that's the, 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 the nice part here. That, that uh, if, since you have a transceiver chain per antenna, 
en, en, en converter per antenna, meaning that the, the, the distortion introduced in, introduced in, in the converter, uh, the, the uh, quantization noise, can be suppressed. I mean, that it will be different quantization noise for different antennas, meaning that you can see it as some kind of white noise, basically. And, and mm. that means that if you combine the signal after the quantization, you can get some, some, some quantization noise suppression. Comparing to in the analog domain where you have a single uh, uh, ADC and DAC, the, in that case the, the quantization noise will, will you will have one single quantization noise for all antennas, so you don't have any processing gain of this quantization noise. So uh, using a digital uh, uh, design, a digital uh, beamforming or massive MIMO architecture, you can reduce the numbers of bits actually and, and get the same. Performance with respect to to the the uh, uh, quantization noise, uh, and for take an, just to take an example, if you, if you have an eight uh, uh, antenna receiver, uh, where you can reduce the numbers of bits with one and a half, uh, roughly in a digital design compared to the analog, so that means that you need, uh, of course, you need eight AD uh, converters. Uh, compared to one, but on the other side, you can reduce you reduce the number of bits with one and a half, maybe two if you have a careful design. So, so, so that that is one advantage with digital uh, uh, beamforming architecture that you, you don't need mm -hmm. so many bits for the same performance. That's so it's quite one. exciting. So you're, you're you're suggesting that the quantization noise at the AD converters is independent from one antenna to the next, and then when you perform the beamforming, you essentially summing up this quantization noise with the beamformer weights and that will introduce some sort of averaging effect by which the quantization noise is, is reduced uh, in aggregate. I mean, much like the thermal noise is averaged out by the beamforming, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm. Correct, correct. So uh, when I am sort of discussing digital solution with hardware people, what I often here is that they are not that interested to say okay we know how phase array works and you know you come in with this digital solution and you're gonna have like instead of one transceiver chain you're gonna have 10 of them with 10 antennas and that will consume 10 times more power but look you're never gonna get 10 times more performance out of it maybe four times more performance so it's not really worth it so what is your take on those type of arguments yeah, uh, that's a typical argument you get from, from uh, people when you're talking about uh, analog versus digital uh, beamforming architecture, that, that uh, everyone understands that the digital is more flexible, have better performance, but people say that, that it's typically too, high, much, too high power consumption. And, and of course, that is, I would say that that was the, the truth for, for yesterday. Uh, but now, when if you come into the millimeter way, where you can integrate the antennas and the, the, the front-end filters and the radio ship in the same encapsulation, you can significantly, significantly reduce the power consumption of digital, uh, uh, digital architectures. And it turns out that for a handheld device, where you have like 4 to 12 antennas in that ballpark, then with the current radio component uh, technology state of the art, it's basically on par uh, the power consumption for an analog solution compared to a digital solution. And that seems to be quite surprising since if you say have eight 
transceivers. How, how can you, you, you have on, basically on par in the power consumption, both on the receiver side and on the transmitter side? It basically turns due to two facts. One is the AD, uh, AD uh, and DAC uh, converter. I mean, the, the, the converter uh, that needs fewer bits, meaning that the converters itself will take lower power compared to a single converter on the analog domain. That is one thing. But the major thing is that the phase shifters, if you implement a phase shifter, uh, that's basically some kind of routing on, on your PCB. And you need to have some switches to, to have different phase shift, different routing di distances. You have quite some loss there. It's like 6 to 10 dB loss in a phase shifter today uh, in, in, in mm. phase shifters using for... Uh, handheld devices. And that means uh, you need to have a much harder or tougher design of the power amplifier and the low noise and in the transmitter side and on the LNA, the low noise amplifier in the receiver side. Since you need to compensate for this 6 to 10 dB, meaning that the power consumption for the LNA, the receiver, first uh, amplifier, uh, that you need to be low noise and high, high uh, gain, need to gain this 6 to 10 dB. And on the power, uh, power uh, amplifier side, you need to amplify a, a weaker signal compared to in, in an analog uh, approach compared to the digital. So there you need to have a much higher front end power consumption on the PA as well as on, on, on the, the, the LNA. And if you take all this into account, you, you will end up in basically the same uh, numbers uh, of uh, power consumption for the transmitter and receiver for the analog and digital with current technologies. So, so I think that this uh, is that the, the technology has come so far and the miniaturization has come so far. So now the digital is uh, on par with, with what you can do with an analog uh, uh, solution. So it's great to hear this being said by someone actually working in the industry, because when I'm sort of saying it as an academic professor, uh, they are uh, people in the industry are typically saying, well, yeah, we see the work that's done in academia, but pe academia, they ignore so many practical aspects. So we cannot really believe in what is being said there. It's never going to work in reality. And so, but <laughs> it's uh, reinforcing this point when actually there is agreement in, uh, from the industry as well. Yeah, I share the same experience. I mean, so but quantitatively speaking, how large is the power consumption of a fully di digital versus a, a fully analog for a millimeter wave? Yeah, if we take um, uh, an example with, with, with eight antennas, uh, uh, and, and uh, you, yeah, of course, it heavily depends on the output power. But if, if you say have some some uh, output power of uh, a PA power consumption of, of an eight nine uh, dBm, that corresponds to uh, less than ten milliwatts, uh, eight milliwatts or something like that uh, per uh, PA. Then the total, if you have a perfect co combination of, of, of all the 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 uh, uh, signals you will you will have a, a corresponding a e i r p uh, output power of 25 to 27 dbm depending on the antenna gain and things like that but but that is i would say a typical use case if you take that then you can with current design uh, 
digital uh, solution come in the ballpark around 5-600 milliwatt for the transmitter and 250 to 300 uh, uh, milliwatt for, for the receiver. And mm. you can, uh, looking at the 3GPP and, and, and there are different power classes in uh, defined there depending on the, the use case of your millimeter wave uh, device. Uh, for for handheld smartphone, you can you can probably go up to like thirty three dBm uh, EIRP uh, output power, and and that corresponds to a PA output power of thirteen fourteen dBm roughly, and then you are up to one point six uh, uh, watt sixteen hundred milliwatts or something like that. So, but but a typical use case is five six hundred milliwatt and a half yeah. half of that for the receiver. Right, so, so so about half a watt. And say again, what bandwidth was this for? Yeah, the, the bandwidth in this case is, is uh, uh, the 3GPP uh, bandwidth of, of 100 to 200 uh, mm. uh, megahertz. Of course, you can you can in mm. 3GPP also go up to 400 megahertz, and then then mm. you increase the power consumption a bit, mainly due to the 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 the, the uh, converters and the filters needed to be designed mm. for for uh, 400 milliwatts. So that will increase it slightly. But but this is some kind of typical ballpark part numbers, just to get get some mm. kind of feeling of, of, of power consumption. Mm. Yeah, so in any case, we're well below a watt here. I mean, uh, rather at half a watt, uh, which is quite manageable, um, as I can understand, I mean, for most mobile applications. Um, so um, now your solutions focus entirely on millimeter wave yep. versus, as I understand, most of the 5G depo- deployments so far have been on lower frequencies. Yeah. Yep. So what is your view? I mean, what, what will we need, if at all, <laughs> eventually millimeter wave band for? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's true that today the, the rollout of 5G, 5G today is basically on, on the, the sub 6 gigahertz. Uh, you except in the US. In the US, they, they are coming up also with, with a millimeter wave rollout. Uh, and, but that is in the first phase, I would say. Uh, if you need, I mean, you are talking about this kind of fancy use case with VR and uh, AR uh, use cases, for instance. Uh, if that will happen on, on, on large scale, you need hundreds. I mean, you need you need hundreds of, of megabit per second per users, and, mm-hmm. and in that case, you you need to go up to millimeter wave to. Uh, have a capacity in the system, basically. I mean, you can have some few users using sub-6 gigahertz bands uh, on this new mm-hmm. 3.5 gigahertz band, for instance. Uh, but in order to have a large-scale capacity, you, you need to go use the millimeter band, millimeter wave band mm-hmm. uh, to, to make that happen. That is one thing. and that is, but, but in fact, looking at the predictions do, done by, by large... Uh, uh, players in in the area of, of uh, uh, mobile communication about how much mobile data traffic uh, is expected to be 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 consumed per month or per hour per rush hour per peak hour uh, in in the future. It turns out that that uh, if we continue to uh, believe in that. People will more and more use the, the, the video and 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 and, uh, and and which 
typically consumes a lot of, of data over over the over there. Mm. Something like in five years from now, 2025-ish, then uh, there will be a capacity problem in large megacities. Uh, megacities uh, in hotspots like at train stations, at parks, shopping malls. So, so in order to, to, to solve it also for ordinary use case like mobile broadband or surfing or, or, or web browsing, whatever, uh, you need to use uh, millimeter wave in the future as well. So, so what people are thinking first is the VR, VR, AR, really high data rate use cases. Yes, of course, we need it for that. But also for, uh, for, for standard use cases in order to offload the, the, the sub-6 gigahertz uh, frequency band. So, so that means that in, in a not-so-far future, I think that, that uh, IoT... Uh, will be be uh, similar to what you have in in uh, 5G today, I and mean, you have the narrowband IoT, and also uh, this uh, I don't know the NR light, or, or maybe they have changed the name on it right now. But but where you where you have some IoT uh, stuff with some few megabits per second, that one will most likely also be able to 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 support millimeter wave in the future. Maybe not in in the next few years, but in in five to ten years, I guess. So 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 we, there's a need for this millimeter wave, but general yeah yeah uh i agree and i think i mean obviously once the technology and the connectivity is there um uh, applications will follow and will emerge right um yeah so i think emil you had some additional questions you'd like to ask yeah, no, so I think this is a good thing to always remember that uh, the demand will not come over a day so that uh, it's sort of like uh, later on uh, we will need it gradually. So even if a technology as such is uh, something that is uh, changing a lot, uh, we will not see that change just from one day to the next one. Uh, so you were mentioning the U.S. Uh, deployments are a millimeter wave, and I was looking earlier about this iPhone 12 that they have there with uh, sort of one antenna at the back side and one on the side here. So I guess it's two different phased arrays, so you don't block both of them. Uh, so what if we would use digital implementation instead? What would that mean in terms of how we can build handsets in the future? Yeah, if you... If you start to split these antenna arrays, I mean, if you have an 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 uh, an, in, uh, an, an analog uh, uh, array like twenty times five millimeters, that is what you can find in the in in the five G uh, phones today. It's hard to to put it in in a crowded PCB. I mean, you have something in this form factor, and you you can't put. Too many panels. I mean, you have one here, and then you block it. You need to have one here due to this problem with the millimeter wave that you had, you had the problem with, with blocking by hand the, the radio signal. But if you have, if you split the, the the array so that you can you can separate it on on per uh, antenna per, per per transceiver basis, then then you can put it wherever you want, basically uh, in in the in the phone. Uh, and each of these ships may be three times three millimeters, for instance. So that means that you, you, you have much more freedom in, in the placement of the antennas. Uh, uh, so you can use that to, to 
uh, optimize the performance and reducing the risk for, for uh, blocking all antennas. You may only block a single antenna with your hand, and, but you still have, have a, a number of them that are free. So, so it will change quite a bit the, the, uh, the uh, thinking of how you should do the antenna placement in, 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 in a device, I would say. So speaking of antenna placement, I mean, because the traditional view of antenna arrays, I suppose, has been to that one packs the antennas with half a wavelength spacing, right? Uh, either on, on a linear array or in, in a, on a rectangular topology, but in either case would have a wavelength in between. Yeah. Now, um, if the antennas are spaced differently, like the way I understand your design, how would that impact the radiation pattern? And more generally, I mean, will the antenna spacing, is that an important parameter in the design? Uh, as I mentioned, since you can, you can put it freely, uh, in, in general, you can put it freely. And of course, that will be, give quite different uh, radiation patterns, uh, depending on how you place your, 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 your transceivers. But what you now do is that you basically move this kind of beamforming from the analog domain down to the digital domain. So you can just let the computer do the optimization to see how you should uh, scale or how you should, should, should uh, multi basically some um, uh, complex value of scaling of your received signal. And, and uh, let the, the computer in the, in the CPU in, in, in the device compute the, the, the optimal direction. Uh, yeah, right. So this this is really the beauty of fully digital beamforming, right? I mean, Emil, I, I think we might be I might be preaching to the converter here, but um, we've been I think promoting fully digital for a long time now, mm. uh, exactly on these grounds that a fully digital solution makes inherently or doesn't have to make any assumption whatsoever on what the surroundings and the propagation environment looks like and at least adapt the weights per antenna and then combine all the baseband data coherently in the in, in the processor right um yeah um so uh, that i think is really great to see that it's happening now in reality also for the millimeter wave band Exactly. Just to, to, to comment there, I guess that there could be quite some interesting research on, on optimal placement of, of antennas in, 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 say, a handheld device, depending on the, the likelihood of your blocking, depending on how you, 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 you hold the, the, uh, the phone. So, so, so I guess that there is some, some nice uh, research you can do here also as well, I guess. Right, that's mm -hmm. an interesting point indeed, and uh, I suppose the the transition here to fully digital beamforming changes the uh, game, right? Um, so that's a good take on point, I think. Um, okay, uh, Emil, you want to take over? <laughs> yes, so uh, I would just like to ask you one more question, namely something that I often get uh, asked. So say that you have 10 antennas, how many beams can you transmit using 10 antennas? What is your response to a question like that? Uh, yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I don't have any, any good good answer uh, right now. Uh, I would say, but but <laughs> looking at uh, looking from uh, from um, uh, commercial view, not from the, the research point of view. I say, what 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 
you will do. I mean, it it's will have depends on, on how much processing you have in in your digital processor to to uh, uh, compute which which direction you should should uh, transmit in. I mean, you need to look at the rec- the receiver signs here. Where is which is the optimal directions in the receivers to to uh, for, for instance, if you have non line of sight or if you commun- communicating with with a number of of base station or, or something like that. You need to 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 derive the the, the optimal directions in the down, downlink and then you mirror it to the uplink, the the, the strongest path, and, and then you transmit in that and uh, that direction and what will happen is a trade-off between performance and complexity uh, so what will be sufficient for sufficient uh, quality uh, user equality is the right answer I don't know the the, the the correct answer right now but but compared to analog where you need to choose uh, either I choose to transmit in that direction or that direction which one should I choose now I can basically use two at least so so that's uh, a very very large difference. I would say. go from one to two, just two, and then if you go from two to four to or something, that that uh, I don't know right now. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good point that it's sort of the communication channel that is limiting us. And as soon as you have more than uh, one antenna, you could create the superposition of any number of beams uh, uh, carrying. Uh, different signals but then of course the communication channel will limit us and if you have 10 antennas on both sides you can sort of distinguish between 10 unique beams so uh, you typically don't want to send more un- uh, beams than you have antennas even if you you're you can possibly send an infinite number of different beams by c- dividing your power between them yeah it's just that the gains are diminishing right i mean in principle with 100 antennas you could send a thousand beams but in practice you would never want to send more than maybe i don't know 50 or perhaps up to 100 or so but certainly not really more right um so i mean we focus the discussion here a lot on the on the user terminals right um but is there anything that prevents your technological solution from being used at access points uh, also um uh, I would say that the, since, since we, are, we are doing this uh, scalable solution with, with a single chip per, per transceiver, so you can you can use it also for other use cases like uh, uh, fixed wireless access is, is one large use case, expected large use case in in in, in uh, four millimeter wave. I mean, instead of fibers, you so you you use a millimeter wave, so it's some kind of fiber replacement for the last mile. Uh, then in that case, you probably would like to have more uh, antennas or transceivers, not eight or twelve or sixteen, but maybe uh, thirty-two or sixty-four or one hundred twenty-eight. You can basically just combine it. Okay, it, it will be different. Uh, 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 in the baseband processing for the optimal combining, you need to take care of that you now have hundreds of streams instead of, of uh, eight or something like that. You can also use it for, for mm-hmm. base station, I would say. Just take even more, 500. Uh, satellite, satellite communication, non-terrestrial network, uh, I mean, communication with drones or, or airplanes or or also satellites that is uh, discussed and, and will be mm-hmm. happen for millimeter wave and and 5G and in that case you maybe need a thousand antennas to, to reach uh, some some sa- on, uh, something on the satellite maybe that is not a handheld device there is some other devices that that have have that and and actually if if you go to to the limit uh, 
I did some back of the envelope uh, calculation. If you take uh, this kind of chip that we are developing, giving a maximum output power of yeah, like 15, 15 dBm in that, that ballpark. And uh, if you take an array of that with the 10,000 times uh, 10,000 uh, uh, chips, then you have a, a 100 million uh, antenna array. Then you can communicate with, with the closest exoplanets, 5 to 15 uh, light years away. <laughs> of course, the, 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 the data rate will only be 10 bits per second. And the latency might be a problem. But, but uh, you can just scale this. Uh, so quite nice scaling you can use from, from IoT up to base station. And also for com exo space uh, communication. So do you have the ADC resolution to decode the signals that comes from uh, the other planet? Yeah, exactly. There, there might be some practical limitation, maybe. Mm. But, but, but I think it's quite fun. If someone responds. That, that, that you, you have a solution that, that, can, that can scale from the simplest IoT to quite advanced uh, 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 devices by, by just adding more transceivers and antennas. Yeah, that's a cool line of thought. I think, I mean, just talking of extremely large antenna arrays for communications is like music in the ears, both for Emil and myself, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So, now my question is really I mean, why didn't this happen earlier, right? And if you had to speculate, when do you think that the market for millimeter wave? technology will be dominated by fully digital solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, why, why this had, had, doesn't have had uh, earlier is, I guess, it's due to technology. I mean, you need to have uh, a certain technology and, uh, and radio components designed for, for this kind of, of, of uh, solution to, to become a reality for, for practical implementation. I mean, digital, digital for me, I guess, has been used for advanced radar communication in in, in uh, uh, fighter jets and things like that. But then it's another cost scale and another power consumption and things like that. But, mm -hmm. but that, that, mm. it's it's now uh, uh, from from basically now you you can you can integrate this in in in, in handheld devices. And I guess uh, the, the, again referring to some prediction of the number of antenna elements for millimeter wave, five millimeter mm. wave that will. Will, will will be out around the world uh, around uh, 2028 it's in the order of uh, what was it 25 billion antenna uh, elements in, in the, for millimeter wave so so that is the total potential market and of course many of them are in handheld devices but also some, a number of in, in the base stations and the iot um, uh, uh, devices and things like that and Mm -hmm. so, so my guess is that, that uh, in, in that range, uh, starting from now to 2022 or something like that, uh, when we have our first chip uh, out on the market, uh, uh, it will gradually become the, 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 the design for, digital, the, the design for uh, millimeter wave uh, transceivers, I guess. And... Uh, 2028, that's my guess, uh, and that is meaning that mm. before the next generation, the 6G, I guess the 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 the, the millimeter wave uh, uh, transceivers will be digital. The majority will be digital, uh, based on digital solutions. That's my guess. So well, well within ten years, I mean. So I, I mean, I think this also probably dictates 
what assumptions that academic research should operate under, right? What do you think, Emil? Yeah, definitely. So I was writing this paper, Massimimus Reality, What is Next, uh, like two years ago, which was sort of based on that premise that, well, soon we have digital arrays everywhere, which can sort of forget about the analog and hybrid past uh, and think about what else can we do when we have all of these transceivers around, in addition to the things that we already are envisioning to use these arrays for. Oh, well. All right. Good. Yeah, so I think we are um, 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 close to wrapping up here today. Bengt, is there anything else you'd like to add for the audience? Uh, no, uh, I don't. I think that we have had uh, went through quite a lot of good questions, and hopefully, I have answered uh, my view or our view on 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 the future uh, in a neat, neat way. So, uh, and we really hope that that will. Yeah. Happen? Yeah. It will be nice and for many areas. And I mean, the, the research, as you mentioned, the, 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 it might be more important to, to think about that, say that the devices have much more freedom in the, in the uh, uh, communication uh, using a digital solution. Then you can improve the optimal uh, capacity even more, I guess. We agree. All right. Yeah. So then, thanks, Emil. And thanks again, Bengt, for being with us today. And thanks to our viewers and listeners. And don't forget to like and subscribe us on YouTube. And see you next time. Bye bye. Yeah. Thank you.